Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. Well, welcome to 2023. The calendar has officially flipped. And so here's my question for you. I'm just curious. I, I didn't ask this actually in first service, but I'm going to ask it now. Uh, how many of you actually were up last night watching the ball drop and you, you, all, you rang in the new year at midnight and you did that and you made that happen? It's funny that your hands aren't up very high. You're kind of like, yeah, that, was, that was me. How many of you went to bed before 10 o'clock? How many of you, it was single digits when you went to bed last night? I'm just curious. Yeah, so it, it changes as the years go by, but, but here's what doesn't change. This seems to always happen when the new year gets here. Uh, the, the Christmas stuff at your house has probably uh, been put away, or it's in process of being put away. It seems like uh, all of our Christmas stuff goes away slower than it went up. Uh, you know, there's like a day that it all goes up, and then on the way down, it, it's, it trickles towards the, the bins that it'll go in for the year. We've stopped asking Alexa to play Christmas music for us. That's, that's happened already. Uh, we're starting to uh, maybe put together some of the resolutions in our mind of, of what we want to make a New Year's resolution for this year. And uh, so we're already planning the things that we're going to bail on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's how resolutions work. And I don't say that as a criticism to you. That's just experience that says that, hey, we're going to stick with it for a little while then we're going to bail. But these are all just experiences of the new year. Um, maybe uh, at our house, this is something that takes place somewhere around this time. There's a, a spring cleaning that I think we all go through. The, the sun is shining and it's warm outside and we decide we're going to spruce things up. But there's, at our house, there's a winter cleaning that happens at some point where right about somewhere around this time, we start clearing shelves and start wiping everything down and the whole place gets a a big mopping and a big sweeping and all that kind of stuff and and countertops get cleared and it's all in an effort to to make everything feel and look a little bit fresh as we start into the new year and I I think really all of that whether it's the cleaning or the, the the putting away or the resolutions that happen it's all about the purpose of focus I mean each year right about now we just have a chance, it's not a long chance, but it's a chance to take a breath. And we are determined that as we go into a new year that we're gonna do better, that we're gonna be better, that we're gonna choose better, that we're gonna look better, that we're gonna enjoy better this year than we did last year. And most of the time, it's just a little bit of a reset on who you really are rather than some type of massive change of direction in who you are. Now, there have been occasions in my life where I have made some of those drastic sweeping changes in an effort to completely reimagine who I am and, and make drastic changes to who I am. I mean, to, to some degree, actually to a pretty significant degree, it, it's something that I did when I went off to college. I think a lot of our college students probably do that. You, you start to look at college as a chance to kind of rethink who you are, redefine who you are, remake who you are. There's people that you're going to be around who don't know the old version of you, and you get a chance to kind of start fresh. 
Well, when I went to college, uh, I had that in mind. And I was determined that when I went to college, uh, I was going to be far more academia-minded than I had ever been in high school. Okay? And it wasn't in high school, it wasn't that I made bad grades. It just wasn't a priority at all. But I was going to change that when I went to college. And so before leaving for college, I made some changes. And the first thing is that I went out and I bought myself a really nice leather briefcase because I was going to be one of those guys, okay? And so I had the, the leather briefcase that had the little dials on the top where you had to get the right code on there to, to click the little things and it would, had the gold things that would pop up. And yeah, that was my briefcase and that was, that was the new version of me. I, I planned on using the cross pen and pencil set that somebody had given me for graduation that we all got back then, that I was actually gonna use that. I was gonna take notes with those things and that was gonna be part of my, my new look. Uh, I, I cleared all of the video games off of my computer. I was gonna clear out all that memory and free up all of that space for all the new educational parts of my life that were gonna be put on there. And, and then there was the wardrobe change. Because in high school, I was a t-shirts and jeans wearing kind of guy, and so the t-shirt and jeans went away. In replacement was button downs and dress pants and dress shoes all the time. I mean, all the time. And, and I was already even prepared for winter. When winter came, it turned into turtlenecks and sweaters and corduroy pants, and I even had a London Fog tweed trench coat that I was ready to wear as part of my new college look. That was year one. And by the beginning of year two, the briefcase was gone, the jeans were back, and there was a full-size arcade game in the middle of my dorm room. But the funny thing was, I had actually become pretty serious about my education along the way. It turns out that those kinds of course corrections that are focused in those ways, it's far more of an internal thing than an external one. Now, in, in fairness to my briefcase and my turtlenecks, it's possible that that new look kind of helped point me towards what needed to change internally. But what I know most of all is that I actually could study. And I actually could focus on education without all of those extra external things. And the reason that that was possible is because it was just part of who I already was and who I already am. It's not a completely different me. It's not a complete reworking of who I am and redefinition of me. It's just a part of me that at that point in my life needed to be woken up. So, as we start into a new year, and we turn the calendar, let me, let me throw out a course correction that might be good for all of us, that would be good for all of us. It's a focus that is already who you are. This is not about you being somebody completely different. It's not about redefining you and, and, and remaking you. It just may be a part of you that this year needs to be woken up. 
Now, you've heard the words that I'm about to say a number of times around here at First Christian Church if you've been around here for a while. But maybe you've never heard them the way that I mean them today. Now, here at First Christian Church, we have a vision, and our vision is pretty simple. It is to lead people closer to Jesus. That's our vision as a church. And in the year ahead, you're going to hear me say those words a lot of times, to lead people closer to Jesus. However, that phrase is not intended to be like a hashtag for our corporation. That phrase is not intended to be a byline for our church organization. This statement is not only our collective vision, this is your vision. And and it's not just for people who are here at FCC, it's for anyone who believes in, is committed to, and is a follower uh, of Jesus. This is your vision. Following him, get this, following him isn't just being in the mass of people that are moving in a direction. Following him is following his example. Now, let me me show you his example. His example shows up for us in a multitude of places in God's word, but I want to focus on one today. And if you've got your Bible with you or you've got a, a tablet or a phone that's got an app on it that lets you get to the Bible, love for you to open with me as we follow along in this in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Uh, Jesus meets the woman that we will start calling the woman at the well. And when we read this story, and maybe you've read this story recently, or maybe you've heard about it or or heard it recently, and whenever we talk about this story, we, we tend to spend a lot of time talking about this woman and what we either know about her or what we can assume about her. We, we know that she has had five husbands. We know that she's living with a guy now that's not her husband. It's weird that she's coming out in the middle of the day to draw water. We assume from that that she's not really welcome to come out with the women who come out early in the day. There's all kinds of ideas, and we tend to focus in on what's going on in the life of this woman. But for today, I just want us to pay attention to the conversation that happens between this woman and Jesus. Now the whole thing starts for us in verse seven of John chapter four. Here's what we read there. It says that when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had already gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternity. 
for Jesus, this conversation that happens is just a regular conversation. For Jesus, there's nothing out of the ordinary, nothing special, nothing extravagant about this conversation. It's very common for Jesus to have a conversation like this. But my guess is that the reason that we have this conversation available to us in the Bible 2,000 years later, when the only people that were there to hear the conversation were Jesus and this woman, is because this woman, who that very day became a follower of Jesus, could recall every detail and every word and every connection that Jesus helped her make. So my question is, why was this conversation so common and ordinary for Jesus and yet so uncommon and extraordinary for the woman? It wasn't just because she wasn't used to a man or a Jew or really anybody paying any attention to her and talking to her. It was because Jesus seized an opportunity in a very common conversation about a very ordinary topic, the request for a drink of water, and he found a way to lean into that conversation and turn it towards a spiritual conversation. And it wasn't awkward, and it wasn't forced, but it was effective. That was the example that Jesus gave us over and over again. In conversations that Jesus had with people, people that, that other people didn't notice and other people didn't care for or care about, like this woman, like the crippled man that Jesus talked to, like Zacchaeus in the tree, Jesus noticed the unnoticeable. Even when Jesus was talking to judgmental people or critical people, like the Pharisees or the teachers of the law, in the midst of those moments, Jesus would find ways to rebuke them for their attitude and for the way that they saw things and the way that they treated people. But he also found ways to remind them of who he was and why he had come. Like when he was talking in Matthew's house and he was rebuked by these people who thought he shouldn't be hanging out with those kinds of people. And Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus looked for every moment, every conversation. He saw every relationship and every opportunity and, and every moment of his life as the possible moment that could lead someone closer to him. And that was his example to you. That every moment, every conversation, every relationship, every encounter has the potential to lead someone closer to Jesus. That was his example. And his example, as it turns out, is contagious. Now, staying with John chapter 4 and this story of the woman at the well, we see that this woman has this encounter with Jesus. She has a meaningful conversation with Jesus. It was a conversation that was a back and forth conversation and at times had disagreement in the middle of it. But when the conversation was finished, 
she believed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And she believed that he was the living water. And she believed that he could change her life. And she believed that he was the Messiah that her people had been waiting for for centuries. And she couldn't wait to help other people believe the same thing. John chapter 4, verse 28, the story continues, and here's what it says. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And it says that they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. She went back into town. She started into conversations with people with the intent of starting those conversations in ways that would allow her to very quickly tell them about Jesus and then lead those people toward Jesus. Now remember, she's a follower of Jesus at this point. And because of the example that she has from him, because Jesus had this conversation with her, because Jesus opened her eyes to who he really is, she had that example, and so she used that example, and his example is suddenly contagious in her life. She went into town, and she told people, and then they told people, and people came out to see Jesus. And this is probably a commentary on how much and how too much TV I watched as a kid. But I have very vivid memory of a commercial from the early 80s. It was a commercial for shampoo. Now, to be fair, I did have to look on the internet and figure out what kind of shampoo the commercial was for. Fabergé, in case you wondered. But the commercial was a woman talking to you about how great this shampoo was that she used and how it was so great that she told her friends and they told their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. And the way the commercial would run is that there was the woman that was on the screen all by herself, and she said, this shampoo is fantastic, this shampoo is great. And then I told my friends, and now there's two of her, and the voice is a little echoey, because now there's two voices saying, and they told their friends, and now there's four people on the screen, and so on, and now there's eight, and so on, and now there's 16, and all the voices are echoing over and over again because the friends told the friends told the friends told the friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. It was a great commercial for shampoo, even though I didn't quite get the name. But it's also a great example of the example that Jesus left for us. That we would have this incredible encounter, this life-changing from Jesus, and that we would tell our friends, and they would tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. It happened in Samaria. She had this encounter with Jesus, and she ran into town, and she told her friends, and they told their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Same thing happened with Jesus' closest friends. In Scripture, it appears that Andrew was maybe one of the first people to be called to follow Jesus. Now Andrew had someone who would become a pretty famous brother. His brother was Simon Peter. And what we read in John chapter one, verse 41, is that the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. 
We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And then he brought him to Jesus. And the telling didn't stop there. Just a few verses later in John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus came in contact with a guy named Philip in Galilee, and he called Philip to follow him. And Philip followed Jesus. And then guess what the first thing was that Philip did when he started following Jesus? It says that Philip found Nathanael, and he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then there was a little conflict that took place. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. Follow Jesus and then help other people follow Jesus. Have this incredible life-changing moment with Jesus that changes everything about who you are and who you ever will be and then tell your friends and they'll tell their friends and so on and so on and so on. That's what it means to lead people closer to Jesus. Even if it's just an invitation that says, hey, come and see what I've seen. Come and hear what I've heard. You experience Jesus. You tell your friends. They tell their friends and so on and so on. Conversations lead to Jesus. Invitations lead to Jesus. Introductions lead to Jesus. His example is contagious. And, as it turns out, commanded. There are two significant moments where Jesus makes it very, very clear that this vision for your life is expected from you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just an opinion. It's expected. Leading people closer to Jesus is who you are as a follower of Christ. It's why you are. Now, stay with me on this because this this could bother us a little bit as we dig into it. If you truly believe in the saving power of the grace of Jesus Christ that is only available to us because of his work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, and that that's what saves us, and the only part that we have to play is to accept that that is truth, then following the example of Jesus has nothing to do with your eternity. Being the people that are compassionate and caring and servant-minded and generous and kind and joyful, all of that has nothing to do with you trying to earn your way into heaven or you trying to be a good enough person to be accepted into the family of God. The grace and forgiveness that we gain through the free gift from God, through Jesus Christ, is the only thing that overcomes our sin. There is nothing that you can do about that part. It's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, he made it really clear. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift 
of God. So, the reason that we try to act like him and love like him and care like him and give like him is because for the sake of others, he told us to. See, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your words, your compassion, your service, your generosity, your selflessness is part of being like him. And it shines for the world to see. Because that version of a human being that follows the example of Jesus is different than this world is. And when we read about the number of followers that was growing so rapidly in the first century church, we go to the book of Acts and we see that thousands of people are becoming part of the church. The reason that was happening is because the church was following the example of Jesus and because the people were being an example of Jesus into the town around them and their light was shining. And the book of Acts says that the people in Jerusalem found favor with the community of Christ followers called the church and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Their light was shining into that town. But maybe more pointed of a command comes to us from Jesus' last words on this earth. That moment shows up in Matthew 28, and it says, Then Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The example that Jesus gave in John chapter 4 with this very common, ordinary conversation that happened at a well with a woman is just one of the many examples that Jesus has left for us of how we are to be. And his example is contagious and his example is commanded. Your vision is to lead people closer to Jesus. His example is contagious. His example is commanded. Leading people closer to Jesus through conversations and, and through invitations and through introductions and through generosity and through service. It's who you are. And it's why you are. From the moment that you said yes to Jesus. It just may be that this year, it is something that needs to wake up in you. Our church, collectively, has a responsibility to be about sharing Jesus. 
We have a responsibility collectively, corporately, organizationally to share Jesus. That's true. But I believe that far more importantly, it is a responsibility that you have too. Your 2023 can get a fresh start, can have a fresh focus, not on something that you've never done before, not on, on someone that you were never meant to be. It's not a redefining or a remaking or a makeover of who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus and you call him Lord, your vision is to lead people closer to him. That you would be intentional about relationships, about conversations, about actions, about moments. That you would follow his example and lead people closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this season that we just passed through where we remembered the, the great gift of Jesus coming to be here. But God, we thank you that that's not the end of the story. We thank you that the story continues with all the teaching and example that Jesus shared with us. We thank you that the story continues all the way to the cross, as hard as it is for us to even fathom that, and, and then the power over death as he rose from the dead. God, we thank you that that story continues because there were people who encountered Jesus and they told friends. And those friends told friends and those friends told friends and we don't have time to go through all the friends that got told until eventually that story was told to me and that story was told to us. And we found out that that redeeming grace it was one for us on the cross and through an empty tomb it was meant for us all these years later. And so God, we thank you for that message and we thank you for that gift. And God, I, I ask now that you would give us the confidence and the courage as we head into a new year to accept this vision that you have for our life not that we would do enough things to earn our way into heaven, for there is nothing that we can do, but you have done it all for us, and may we share that message that others may draw close to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning, and I need you to know that those of us who are here who are followers of Jesus that I've been talking to specifically this morning, you can be a follower of Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that unbelievable power and grace and forgiveness that was extended from Jesus Christ was extended to you. And he's asking you to say yes to him, to accept that it's true and that grace and forgiveness can flood your life. And if today needs to be a, a day that you say yes to Jesus, that you're baptized in his name, we invite you to come walk right down these aisles and make that decision today. Maybe you've already made that decision, but you want to be a part of what's going on here at First Christian Church, and you want to be a part of this church family, we'd love to have you with us.
And so we encourage you, if you have a decision to make, to make that today. But one more time here on the first day of the new year, we have opportunity collectively to lift our voices in praise and worship to our Savior, to our God, to our Redeemer, and to our King. May we praise and worship Him.